everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, Sean Keibel and John Mikulski. And welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, Tightwad Teachers this is our episode two, the 21st Century Interview for July 19th, 2011. So uh, we're, we're excited to get the second show underway. And uh, I don't know about you, John, but we, we had to wait a little while for that. Uh, yeah, it's been kind of a, a couple week break between when we recorded the first show and the second. And I've kind of been getting excited about it, especially with the guests that we have uh, today. I think it's going to be a really good show. Yeah, well, for I'll explain for our listeners that, uh, you know, we we prep our shows uh, quite a bit in advance. And then uh, we usually like to be two or three uh, ahead before we actually uh, publish. So even though we uh, will be publishing weekly, uh, we've got uh, we had kind of a two couple couple two three weeks almost in between uh, the first and second episode which uh will not be the norm going forward for us so uh yeah i was kind of anxious to get started again too yeah i'm definitely not one of those people that are, are patient so after we did the first one i was ready you know, the next day to to move on to something else so it's been kind of tough for me to be sitting back and waiting but. <laughs> well uh uh talking about uh sitting back and waiting i guess uh you haven't been doing a lot of that lately is that right no, I'm actually enjoying the downtime uh, right now sitting down for this. Uh, yesterday, uh, I don't know, I think it's a regional thing. Yesterday, uh, last night, I went to Lasertron. Is that something that you have in Texas? Uh, well, I, I'm guessing we have something uh, sort of similar. Uh, and There's a, a kind of a chain of, uh, believe it or not, bowling alleys called uh, uh, the main event. And uh, inside those, it's kind of this big complex and they have uh, like laser tag and all kinds of different things. So I'm picturing laser tag. Am I right? Uh, absolutely. The It's right down the street from my house, actually. It's a, a big arena. It's actually two-tiered. And if you think uh, American Gladiators, it's kind of looking like the American Gladiator arena, but it's lots of black light and uh, smoke, fog, that kind of stuff. Okay. And, and actually, we started it uh, back in like January. We did one, but I actually went with a group of teachers from my school. This is our, our way to round out the end of the year because this is actually my first week off uh, on summer break. So me and another teacher, I, one of my colleagues organized it and, and to do it as like a, an end of the year thing with, with all the teachers. So, um, it's kind of silly to begin with to be playing Lasertron, but then when you realize that you're playing with 30, 40, 50 year old teachers all running around as well, it was a, a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that's, that's great. It, it's all, it's all good until you get like that one 13 year old in there. Because. Oh yeah. And, well, that was our that was our big fear is that we we're all going to get there and there's going to be a couple of students waiting to shoot at us. But uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but that it was a nice little way to show you know the the building I work in, uh, we're all really close. It's a really good community of teachers. So um, doing things like this just adds to that. It's nice to be able to uh, to kind of take off the the, the teaching hat and uh, do something a little more fun. But we we plugged it as. Uh, you know, what better way to start the summer than shoot at your colleagues for an, e for an evening. And uh, we had about 50 people come out. So it was a lot of fun, but I'm definitely sore today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would be too. I would be too. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Uh, I guess we will uh, we'll jump into the meat of our show. We're going to introduce our guests or uh, our guests. And I apologize to all of our, our guests, uh, our listeners, uh, because we're going to have two Johns on the show today. Uh, uh, of course, our, our, our co-host, John Mikulski and then uh, our guest, John Robinson. And John, I'll just ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Um, you know, you put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> um, of course, uh, I'm John Robinson. I'm principal of uh, uh, high school, Newton Conover Health Science High School in uh, a town called Newton, North Carolina, which is located probably about 25, 30 miles north of Charlotte. North Carolina. That's probably the nearest uh, nearest location most people would be familiar with. Uh, I've been in this position about a year. Uh, I also have four years of middle school principaling. Uh, I've had a couple years as assistant principal in a high school, and uh, I spent about 16 years in the classroom before going into administration. Uh, and I've probably coached about every sport there is in high school. Uh, pretty much over that period of time too. Uh, so I've got a pretty diverse background. 
Now, with all that experience, it seems like you're always pretty well rooted in um, latest trends and current technologies. Is that the case? I try to be. I try to be. Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, is a challenge is trying to manage a school and, and staying current, reading and all those things. And quite a bit to juggle sometimes, but uh, I think uh, the approach... Uh, that I take is uh, as an administrator, I do try to lead the school as a technology leader as well. Well, and that's something coming from me as a teacher that I really was excited to talk to you about being an administrator. Lots of times you'll hear administrators say how important technology is, but then they delegate that out to someone else or they'll they'll immediately follow that statement by saying, but I'm no good at technology. I don't get that stuff. So it's uh, I think you really set a, a good precedent of what an administrator should be doing, especially with all the changes that are happening uh, with technology and the 21st century learner and, and how kids are learning and how kids are are working in schools now. It's hard to be an advocate for something you don't know what it is. So, uh, <laughs> when administrators say they like technology and advocate for technology, uh, the next question I would say is, do you know what you're talking about? Uh, because uh, I've really gotten uh, interested in social media in the past couple of years, two or three years, and and uh, really tried to explore all the avenues a bit. Uh, we've opened up our Wi-Fi here at our school, so our students can use their own devices. Uh, that was a little bit of a hurdle. I had to convince some higher-ups that kids weren't going to damage themselves by accessing the Internet with their smartphone. Uh, so to be an advocate, you really have to, you have to know technology so you know how to talk to those who do have those fears and, and uh, sometimes getting technology into schools is, is a matter of being able to lay off fears. So uh, I try to keep as current as possible and know what I'm talking about when I try to do technology. Well, and I, I think uh, that kind of makes me think of even the flip side of, of that whole argument, uh, because there are there's a lot of administrators that uh, are really not familiar with the technology at all. And it's it's not only you know do you do you say yes to some things but you know you or i guess no to some things but you know you might be saying yes to some of the wrong things uh and even when it comes to uh your your technology department and uh they may uh, try to sell you on A, B, or C, but you know if you really have no knowledge of it, then you really put yourself at the mercy of of you know those guys, and and uh, all of a sudden you really put the decision making uh, uh, in their court, and that might not be the best place to be. I mean, you really need to be as an administrator, and I would say even as a teacher, uh, that's that's really a required job skill at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree with. There's no way that you can expect to lead a school uh, if you are not familiar with what technology brings classroom uh, into the school. Well, John, you, you mentioned uh, social media, and I think there's there's definitely two extremes there. I think lots of times when you hear the social media coming up in, in schools, you immediately hear of all those negative things that happen, like. Uh, teachers posting things on Facebook or uh, blog posts where they're they're berating kids and that kind of stuff. But there is that positive side to it, and I think lots of times people people miss that. They do. Uh, the, all, the really bad thing about all the negative stories that you hear, it's not the, the social media that causes that to be bad. It's people who make bad choices that... Uh, uh, end up in the newspapers uh, every single time. It's not social media itself that, that actually makes that happen. Uh, even before social media, yeah, uh, people did stupid things uh, and ended up in the newspaper, or, or should I say teachers that done things that, and administrators for that matter, because it, uh, uh, it's not uh, administrators that make bad decisions. Uh, I think well, the only, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I really think that uh, it's it's just wrong to blame to blame social media for those things. Uh, it's just not going to uh, uh, it's it's not social media that's causing the problem. It's people who don't have understanding of what social the power of social media to begin with that end up posting compromised 
advertising photos of themselves on their Facebook pages or ended up end up tweeting something out to the public, uh, like uh, Mr. Anthony Weiner did a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, that that that's just I think that's just an illustration of people not understanding the real power behind social media and then understanding it too late. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting because you're right. Social media is very much just the tool that's being used, but yet it keeps getting blamed. And and that would be the equivalent 20, 30 years ago of um, someone passing a note in class and blaming the pencil for doing all the bad work. It, it just doesn't doesn't add up anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the same uh, argument we've used here in our district because. I think we might have unprecedented, uh, openness, uh, here in our district. Uh, I haven't seen another district that is quite as open as we are. And, uh, you know, the argument that we always serve up is, uh, is just that what you said, John, is, you know, if, if kids are passing notes or doing something wrong, if they're passing notes in class, you don't tell them they can't bring a pencil to class. Um, and then, uh, also it's, it's not so much of a technology management thing as it is a classroom management, uh, issue. And if you have a highly trained, educated, degreed professional in that classroom, uh, then, you know, you should be expecting that they're going to be able to manage that just like they do any, anything else in their classroom. Uh, so we've always kind of taken that, that mindset, to the problem. And, uh, once you get everybody on board and they're really thinking in those terms, uh, then it seems to work out pretty well. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, playing off of that, Sean, um, you know, you're expecting to have a teacher too, who's aware of these technologies now and, and aware of what kids can and can't do. And that actually, I think leads us really well kind of into the bulk of, uh, the conversation I wanted to have with the other John today, uh, about teachers and what he's looking for um, in new teachers as they come into the school, because as an administrator, obviously, uh, John, you have you have a lot of say in who gets hired and, and what direction you're taking with the faculty in your in your school. Um, so let me ask you this. Obviously, kids have changed a lot. And we're talking nowadays about the 21st century learners and how they're always connected. And there's just a whole different uh, thought process that goes into how they learn. Um, so obviously the types of teachers you're looking for are have changed as well. So, John, what do you look for um, when you're hiring a new teacher? Ultimately, just uh, three things. Uh, one, because the school that I'm at is a, uh, we're actually a STEM high school. Uh, we're, we're retooling to try some innovative things in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, I'm looking for teachers who are innovative and who like to experiment. Uh, students today, uh, you can't stand in front of them and teach them the same way day in and day out. Those days are gone. Uh, it, teachers need to be able to find new ways to engage students and need to have a lot of tools in their tool, tool chest to do that. Uh, they need to be willing to change and adapt their instruction sometimes on the fly because, uh, and, and I'm not sure that wasn't always true. Even when I taught the classroom started 16 years ago and the internet wasn't even there. Uh, that tells how old I am. Uh, <laughs> didn't exist, but even then, uh, you adapted. If you're really teaching kids, you had to adapt on the fly sometimes because that, that lesson plan that you spent an hour laying out the night before suddenly collapsed. So I'm not sure the adapt adaptability piece is that different, but the innovative piece, I think, is teachers have to be innovative. They, they also have to see relationships with the kids is one of the most important parts teaching. Uh, I know it's sort of a cliche now, but uh, I, I look for teachers who teach students, not subjects. Uh, I want teachers that connect with the kids with the subject, but also in other areas too. I want them to, to know the kids, to care, care about the kids that they teach on a regular basis. And then uh, ultimately in my situation, it's important for me to have teachers that fit the culture of the school. Uh, I interviewed, uh, I interview people all the time who have all the book smarts and they know the pedagogy, but ultimately they just, I'm just not so sure they'll mesh with the staff and with the kids and with the parents at our schools. So they really need to be able to bring something to that culture and contribute as well as, uh, be a part of it. Um, uh, well, I, uh, John, really, uh, Summer, go ahead, go ahead. Those are really the three main things that I look for. 
I, I'm kind of curious, uh, and, and it's because we're facing a unique situation down here, but, uh, how it is, uh, you know, how that, uh, I guess job market is there in North Carolina. Uh, you know, are you able to be that picky? I know right now here in Texas, uh, we're under a severe budget crisis and, uh, education is taking the, the bulk of that hit. And a lot of teachers here in Texas this year have received pink slips. So, uh, uh it's a, if you're hiring, you, you can really afford to be uh, pretty picky, uh, here right now. Uh, what's it like out there right now? Uh, we, uh, took a pretty good budget hit too, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, um, for me, it is kind of hard because right now I am looking for a teacher. I'm looking for a math science high school person, which is a rare person to have anyway. So uh, I don't have a lot to choose from, but I will say this, it doesn't matter. I really just can't settle for somebody, uh, to put in, put with our, uh, staff because if they don't, don't fit the school, I mean, if they don't fit the culture, and if they, if they don't get along with kids, uh, our size, because we're so small a school, uh, it could be disastrous for everyone. Uh, and I, what is the size anyways? I'm just kind of, I'm curious. Uh, we're looking at probably having about 140 students, up to about 140 students next year. Okay. That's a high school, so that's a very we're a small high school. Uh, so, like I said, and I only have uh, eight, seven teachers on staff. Oh wow! Uh, so you can imagine if you have one teacher that doesn't get along with, them, what kind of damage that could get along? Uh, that what kind of damage that could do to the whole school? Sure. Oh yeah, and you know, and that that's kind of like the story, my story at the top of the, the show. You know, that idea of having a, a group of teachers that get along, not just in school, but outside of school really helps the whole dynamic of, of the school as a whole. So you really knew you need to look for that. Yeah, our teachers match together extremely well. They're, uh, uh, they play off each other. Uh, they are a true team. They'll throw ideas out there. Somebody will, I mean, they can really discuss things. They can get passionate about what they're talking about at times. Uh, but in the end, they always come together. So it's a great staff to work with. You know, you mentioned, oh, go ahead, John. uh, Well, I just, uh, you know, thinking about that and I originally came out of the corporate world and, uh, uh, corporates are, are real big on team building and, you know, they'll send you out to ropes courses and doing all these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, a laser tag would be right up the alley. I've, I've driven go-karts as a team building exercise before. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and corporates are real big on that. And, uh, but you don't see as much of that in the educational world. And I, I'd like to, I guess, just take this opportunity to say, you know, maybe that's, that's, uh, there's really something to be said for that. And even in an educational environment, if your teachers can work together as a team and especially when it applies to technology and people are trying to learn, uh, new technologies, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, on top of a teacher's already very busy schedule, uh, you know, having a good team where you can turn to the person on your left or right and ask them a question is, is really huge. Yeah. You got to remember you're in it together. Ultimately, that's the way it is at every school. I was a principal at a 60, I had 60 teachers at the previous school where I was the principal. Uh, I tried to foster that same thing there. It's a little more difficult, uh, cause a lot more different person personalities but uh, i think again you remind teachers over and over hey we're in this together we can't be fighting each other uh, we've got to work together for the good of our kids that we have in the building right right so i want to ask you a little bit more about the interview process at your, your school john now let me just start by telling you like i know i've been on several interview committees at my school and we always throw like one one strange question and just to see what kind of answers you get. And, you know, you mentioned that you're always looking for innovative teachers. And um, so let me start with mine, then we'll see if maybe you have something, something similar in, in your interview process. But uh, every year when we do have to interview uh, for some, and again, we're, we're in a similar situation where we aren't hiring right now. We have a, a freeze on our district, but um, the favorite question for the principal I work for 
is if you could be, if you were a kitchen appliance, what appliance would you be and why? So <laughs> yeah, like that. So um, usually we get, people figure out pretty quick what, what we're looking for. So we'll get answers like, uh, you know, I'd be a, I'm a blender because I like to mix it up or I'm a toaster oven because I'm versatile, like that kind of stuff. And sometimes you get people who just miss the mark and they say, I'm a fridge because I'm always cold, you know, but um, <laughs> for the most part, we, we get some good answers out of that. And it really shows their ability to think on their feet and think out of the box a little bit. Um, so what do you do anything like that? What kind of things uh, do you have in that interview process that really help you pick out that that person that is truly going to fit in that environment that you have at your school? Well, the, the question that we actually used today with a candidate was, uh, are you a, are you a triangle, a square, uh, a circle, or a squiggly line? Yeah. And then why? Tell us why. <laughs> uh, and obviously, the, whatever answer you give to that question, that's one, one of our favorites. And we also are prone to ask questions like, uh, but I've Blue, like what's your favorite food, or uh, or, or those kind. Of, you really want to try to get those questions that uh, do make them think on their feet. So uh, we do use those kinds of questions in our interviews. Uh, sometimes candidates start to take back about them, but uh, we do use those on occasion. You know, and it throws them off sometimes. I know I got hired. This will be, I'm starting my ninth year teaching this year, but I remember when I got hired sitting in the car in the parking lot, going over you know, gardeners, multiple intelligences, thinking that was going to come up in the interview. And the, the question I had the hardest time with, they asked what my favorite book was. And it just totally threw me for a loop because it seems like such an obvious question, such an easy question. But, um, you always have to kind of be mentally prepared for, for those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, well, I, question I asked today is what book would you read with your students and why? Uh, and uh, again, uh, obviously, if you aren't a big reader, you probably need to find a book to read in a hurry because uh, in this case, the gentleman came up with a very interesting book that fit the content area he was talking about. But uh, there's a lot you can learn when someone talks about uh, uh, those kinds of choices, uh, the type of book they choose. Uh, is it relevant to the content area? Can they make it relevant? Uh, I mean, it really does require them to think about their content and their own interests. It also kind of gives you a picture of whether they're capable of relating to the kids in the classroom. I mean, if they can't relate the book they're reading to the kids, then there may be a question of being able to relate content to the yeah, I, I think back to uh, what you said about, you know, just being an indicator of how well they think on their feet. And uh, let's face it, when you're in a classroom and uh, you, you got a classroom full of, uh, uh, well, any age kid, uh, you need to be able to think on your feet. You do. And you need to think very quickly sometimes. Uh, and that's a trait that, unfortunately, I don't think any schools of education can really teach you how to be able to do that. No, you know, I always say when I have either get a student teacher in uh, in my classroom or their student teachers in the building, you can almost look at them and, and within talking, talking to them for the first 30 seconds, you get a pretty good feel for how they're going to interact with the kids and how they're going to conduct things in the classroom because it is. It's almost something that is just either inherent in somebody or something they really struggle to learn over the years. And, and you can see that right away in an interview. Now, you know, you said earlier that you're really interested in social media and how that plays in uh, to education. Does that come up at all in your interviews, either whether you ask them questions about it or do you, do they uh, bring in things that are more social media based, Twitter and Facebook and blogs, those kinds of things. Do, do you see any of that stuff during the interviews? I, personally, I haven't seen a great deal of it yet. Uh, I think I have seen some teachers mention there that they had a blog and they give me the web address to that blog. Um, not so much with Facebook or uh, or Twitter or any of those, but uh, a lot of times they will also give me a web address to an online portfolio or that they've actually created, or maybe even a website they created for their class. That's mostly what I'm seeing. I haven't seen a lot about social media at this point. It would be interesting to know, though, uh, you could ask an interview question and say you've got 140 characters. Uh, 
give me your philosophy of teaching or something like that. <laughs> that would be a great one. <laughs> yeah. An interview through Twitter. I love it. Uh, but uh, on that, on uh, along that same thread, there uh, is it. A, is it a common practice for? Uh, I don't know if you have uh, HR department per se, but uh, to kind of screen your teachers that are applying. Uh, you know, make sure they don't have anything racy out there on Twitter or Facebook or. There's, there's nothing official. Um, and I'll be honest. I don't think that, uh, I'll be honest. We haven't had anything official in our, in this particular school system to, to actually check on that. Uh, perhaps there needs to be, but, uh, I, I don't know. Sometimes you, you kind of get a feel for a candidate when you're talking to them. Obviously, uh, get a feel of whether or not they would be, and you may be a, may make a bad, uh, maybe a bad judge of character, but most of the part, I think sometimes you can feel for, for whether they're, uh, a big social media user or whether they're inclined maybe to post things on, on Twitter and, and Facebook could end up getting them in trouble down the road. But, uh, you're right. There may need to be some kind of screening process, uh, uh, or someone probably needs to check and see what kind of digital trail the individuals left on the internet before we actually bring them in with our kids. Well, yeah, I know, uh, uh, just this, uh, last semester I was, uh, uh, I was teaching technology in the middle school and, uh, I would see the kids and I, I have no problem with them, uh, multitasking and Hey, they can have their Facebook up and be working on whatever project we're working on. And, uh, I have no problem with that as long as, uh, our work's getting done. And, uh, but that also gave me an opportunity to see what, what, their activity was like and uh, it, it really offered me a, a, a teaching moment in that I, I could make that exact point to them that you know even though you're you know you're 12 years old uh you know eight years nine years from now you know you're going to be uh or maybe more like nine to ten years from now uh you're going to be getting out of college and going on that first job interview and you know they're going to be it's going to be unique to their generation that an, a, an employer is going to be able to look back and possibly see even how this person developed from childhood on, uh, just because of these social, uh, the, these social sites that are out there. Yeah. And I, I think it's exactly right. We, uh, all, particularly those of us that use social media heavily, we have created a, an online reputation, uh, sort of, uh, of, my own thinking on that and the warning that I always give kids and teachers if they'll listen is, uh, you basically want to protect that online reputation like you would your real reputation. Uh, just because you can, uh, hide anonymity online doesn't mean you should post it online. Right. Uh, too many people make that mistake. They assume that no, it'll ever need to be connected back to me. And that's probably the wrong kind of thinking to have anytime to put anything. Online, teach our students that as well. Yeah, you know, and it, it's because I'm kind of experiencing this firsthand now myself. Uh, I started like a personal blog a couple of years ago. I, I mostly either share stuff I'm doing in my class or reflections on whatever I was teaching that particular day, but it's it's mostly just my own stuff about school. And uh, just this semester, I, I started teaching a uh, college graduate course to pre-service teachers, and. I showed them my blog and, and afterward I thought about it because we were doing a, a lesson or a course, one of the course uh, requirements is talking about blogs, online blogging. And uh, I showed them my blog and afterward I realized they now have a snapshot of every single thing I've done for the last three years. And that was uh, kind of exciting, but at the same time it was a little, uh, it made me a little nervous too because I thought at some point did I put something in there that maybe could be taken out of context or could be looked at in a, a negative way and it, it really would impact the way they'd see me as their teacher. So uh, it's those things like that people don't realize and, and I was being careful. So God knows what uh, people are putting on Twitter or kids are putting on Twitter that are going to come back to bite them in a few years, like Sean said, when they start looking for either getting into colleges or looking for jobs, employment, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's uh it's always, uh, I know when I blog, I try to save as a draft first, always, and then, then step away from it and then go back later. And, and there's many, I got a lot of drafts on my blog that never made it as posts because, well, I look at this and I think 
Well, that may be a little bit controversial. That's not the direction I want to go. Uh, the, only, the only problem with Twitter, though, is you don't have that. So uh, you sort of have to uh, be very careful about what you put on Twitter. And Facebook, uh, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. If you post it out there, um, who knows what, who knows, who knows who gets a hold of it before you have a possibility of ever doing anything with it. Yeah, yeah, I actually read a, a news article a couple weeks ago, and they were saying how uh, the next 10, 15 years, uh, presidential elections, big uh, political elections are going to be basically um, determined based on Twitter and Facebook statuses that have been published years earlier. And it's absolutely true. You think about all the, the dirt that that is potentially hidden in someone's past, and then it's all there online archived forever. Um, and to play off of that, thinking going back to teachers and the interview process, that's something that they don't really think about in, in their own digital footprint because once you you mar that a little bit, it's very, very hard to get that off the internet or impossible to get it off the internet. So um, as an administrator, as a principal, do you talk about that with your teachers or is that something that you look at with, with teacher candidates coming in? I would, uh, as far as teachers that I already have on staff, I mean, I certainly, staff I have pretty tech savvy, so... Uh, I'm not as overly concerned about them posting something that uh, would be that would be harmful to their career or to their school or to anything on their on their uh, Twitter or uh, Facebook pages. Um, a new teacher, uh, I don't know if I would get into the giving them advice about it, but uh, I think it's probably important that they understand that. Uh, if you are, have been a user of Twitter for a long time, there are actually websites. Uh, I, I Google my own Twitter username, and uh, there's all these tweets from several days and several months past that come up uh, that have been circulating around out there for months. Uh, the stuff just doesn't go away, and uh, uh, young teachers probably need to be very much aware of that. It's it's not like a piece of paper. If you write something questionable on it, you can throw it away and burn it. That paper never goes away. It's flying around out there, cyber space. It could land on anyone's desk at any minute. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's kind of again what I I, I think back to and uh, even having a. Uh, an obligation to the students and in, in teaching them that and uh especially uh at any of their ages they they can't see that right i mean uh they can't see themselves as uh 20 something trying to find a job or or anything you know even being that career person yet they uh, it's unfathomable to them so uh being able to point some of those things out and just say you know think about it you know if uh if you were older and somebody uh, has the ability to look back into your past you know if you could do this uh and again i was i'm talking to uh you know 11 12 13 year olds but uh if you could have posted something back when you were five or six years old uh you know, would you want somebody to be able to go back and look at that now? Uh, and so I try to put it in that perspective because at 12 or 13, they would be embarrassed to have to look back at what they did when they were five, six, seven years old. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's that same, uh, same kind of differential when you're in your twenties, you're going to be embarrassed about what you did and posted when you were a teen and, uh, uh so on and so forth. So, well, I, honestly, I think, uh, Ultimately, I would not be as concerned. I, I'm thinking administrators. It's just me. Uh, I, if I were interviewing a teacher, I would not really be that concerned about if I, somebody stumbled on something that they posted as a teenager. Uh, I'm pretty enlightened enough to realize, you know, teenagers are teenagers whether they're online or off. They, they say and do things sometimes that, let's face it, are not very smart. Yeah. Uh, I would be concerned about a college student who uh, in the last six months who applied for a job and uh, somehow we found, uh, I read in the newspaper that this same student that I'm interviewing uh, got in trouble for posting uh, uh, unusual photos on uh, or sending unusual photos through Twitter to someone else. So I think the, 
think the key there from an administrative standpoint is I'd be a little more understanding about younger younger students doing it. But uh, I think also being very careful about what. Well, you know, I, I, that's not, a, oh, go ahead, Sean. Well, I was just thinking, uh, is certainly, and I, I definitely would too, but, you know, in a, in a competitive, uh, uh, job environment, um, even, even things that I guess you could look back and kind of explain away to, you know, uh, to just the frivolity of youth, uh, would be fine, but, you know, you still have that, there's a pattern of behavior there, right? So if you've got the kid that was kind of a little on the wild side when they were a teenager and you can say, well, you know, I understand they were 15 years old, but then you've got the other one and there are those kids. There's the, the valedictorians or the kids who, uh, you know, just have always kind of been somewhat straight laced. And now an employer has the ability to look back into somebody's teens even right now. And, uh, you know, that will go back further as, as we progress in time. But, uh, it's just amazing that now there is that capability. So I can look back and say, you know, this person's been straight laced and on the ball since they were a teenager. Uh, and maybe this person hasn't. And, uh, so even though, uh, both situations would be understandable, uh, you know, you might be faced with employers who are going to side, you know, it could sway them one way or another. And, uh, uh, and this generation, these generations coming up are the first ones that are actually exposed to that type of uh, uh, situation. So it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, well, it's all uh, about knowing how to play the game, though. That That's the way I see it. Like, I don't know if I'd want to hire the straight-laced person who uh, never caused a little bit of trouble and never, you know, stepped over the line a little bit. Because, you know, going back to what John said earlier – you want teachers who can teach the kids, not the subject. And sometimes people who are that straight laced can't see that interpersonal uh, piece to teaching. But what I look at is they need to know how to play the game. And right. the game means that you don't have that stuff posted where people can see it. Maybe you do it and maybe you regret it later on. And that's part of growing up. But you have to know how to control that a little bit. I think about beginning of this past year, I was supposed to get a student teacher and got the name from the university. Everything was lined up and I Googled the name, this person's name, just to see what come up. And the Facebook page came up right away and it was blocked, which is good. But the the profile picture was of this guy doing a keg stand. I don't <laughs> want that person in my room because right. you know I get it. He's a college kid. He's 21. And he was out with his friends and that's okay, but you need to know how to play the game and know that you can't have that picture publicly viewable for, for, for people. I mean, I found it. What was to say that the students, my students who are going to be his students would find that. And then that opens up a whole new ball of problems. So um, part of it's educating kids when they're 12, what to do, but it's also educating um, adults how to, how to control this uh, environment as well. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps you need an interview question that uh, along the lines of saying, uh, you know, of course, asking them, do you use Facebook, do you use Twitter, and so forth. Uh, all right, uh, give me three words that describes how, if I were able to see everything you posted online, uh, everything you've done online, uh, give me uh, three words that would describe you, uh, describe your online reputation, and then explain to me why you would choose those three words. Uh, the question alone would probably make some people a little uncomfortable if they've been uh, going too wild online. <laughs> yeah, you can you can watch the blood yeah. draw out of their face. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if one of them says keg stand, you know that it was a student that I was supposed to have. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, John, you made a good a good point because uh, our our current high school uh, principal. Uh, and this is a small town and he, he, uh, came up through our school district. So, uh, he was a student in high school here as well. And, uh, and, and again, with it being such a small town, everybody uh, knows everyone. And, uh, so they all tell of his exploits. Uh, he was, he was quite the character in high school and, uh, he, he had his uh, fair share of getting in trouble. So, uh, so it is kind of interesting to see that, you know, there is another side of that as well is that, uh, you know, the, the kid that had, uh, you know, somewhat of a, a a spicy past might not be so bad now and uh john like the point you made is you know the one that's been straight laced all his life uh, those are also the ones that you know go into a shopping mall and and start shooting people so <laughs> <laughs> it's not always a dead accurate indicator well because of the uh, anonymous 
picture the internet typically and uh, there's a great book out right now I can't remember the title of it offhand that talks about uh, how people act differently psychologically online than they do in real life uh, and it's an interesting uh, idea that the author in this book outlines over and over again that uh, because of the anonymous nature of the web uh, you can't people don't act like they do in real life all their inhibitions and everything are taken away. Uh, they do a lot of things online that they wouldn't do otherwise. So uh, uh, most likely, uh, if you you probably would have to be very careful about uh, uh, judging a person just by what you see too. You, you, they could be uh, uh, a lunatic online, so to speak, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, uh, it only takes a, a, a quick look at the, the comments on YouTube to see what, what that mob uh, mentality uh, does to, to people when they're anonymous. Yeah, that's that's really scary. Uh, you know, you look at those things, you think, boy, is there just that much meanness in the world? <laughs> or are that many idiots that I just haven't met yet? <laughs> right. Well, uh, John, uh, uh, we'll uh, take this time to kind of wind things down here. Uh, I just, uh, as we do with all of our guests, I want to give you opportunity. Is there a single thought or a point that you'd like to make or leave us with uh, as we wrap things up? Just that... Uh, I, I do firmly believe that social media uh, I do believe it has a place in education and even though uh, you, you do have all the horror stories I don't think we can shy away from it and I, I don't think we should expect others to do the same I think administrators uh, sort of have to lead in it and I think we also are going to have to uh, uh, even as administrators take on the responsibility of new teachers that we do bring on board and educate them, on the, uh, make sure they understand the importance of, of their online or digital sales, make sure the digital sales do uh, match up to what they presented in the real world, too. All right. Sounds great. Well, yeah, social social media is not a dirty word. It's a, a good way to end the conversation, John. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Embrace it. Yes. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll let you go and uh, we'll uh, continue on to wrap up the show. But uh, thank you so much for taking time from your schedule to join us. And uh, uh, we'll look forward to maybe doing it again sometime in the future. Thank you for having me. All right. That was uh, John Robinson. And he's a principal of Newton Conover Health Science High School in uh, Newton Conover City Schools, Newton, North Carolina. So, uh, the, Neat guy to have on. He, uh, he you know, it's kind of hard to to find administrators that are that open minded. Yeah, that's what really stood out uh, for me when I I found him was just you really don't see that a whole lot. And I like what he said about how you really can't embrace something you don't know. So it, uh, it it's hard to take that step sometimes. But it sounds like he's really embraced it, and his uh, his school really benefits from that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we need more like him out there. Absolutely. So, uh, okay. Well, uh, here's the, uh, the time in our show where we, uh, we start to wind things down and, uh, our weekly feature, the tip of the week. And, uh, that will sometimes be the tips of the week, but, uh, I'm just coming off of actually taking a week off. So I'll have to admit I was, I was lazy last week. And <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really do a tip. Uh, and mine will be kind of here there anyways, as, uh, I, I think what I'd like to do is focus more on, uh, if I have anything really tech technical to share with with the teachers out there uh then i certainly will do but uh john you do have a tip so uh, why don't you take it away yeah it's actually fitting for uh, the conversation we just had um i found this site a couple years ago and it's one of those things i found and i really saw some value in it but i didn't really have a need for it and i'm uh, i'm always of, of that frame of mind that you don't use technology just for the sake of using technology so i sat on it for a while and just recently uh a situation came up that I can now use it. The site is called Edmodo. It's just edmodo.com. And it's a closed social networking site for educators. So it actually even looks, the layout and the color scheme looks just like Facebook. So it's something that the kids are very, very intuitive um, in using. And But it's nice for the teachers because it's closed and there's a lot of security features that like Facebook wouldn't have. So 
while I would never, I personally wouldn't uh, feel comfortable setting up, say, a group on Facebook and having my, my students get on, it was really, really easy for me to set up Edmodo and set up groups and have kids doing collaborative stuff outside of the classroom. Right now, I'm on summer break and I still have my students who um, I have, the way my school sets it up where we loop. So I have seventh graders one year and then as they move up to eighth grade, I move with them. So I actually have them for two years. So right now, it's a it works great and, and talk about having uh the interaction time with them and knowing their strengths and weaknesses it's it's really a a great little system we have but right now because i'm in the middle of a loop i know my kids already and they already know me so why not take advantage of that and and why not use the summer for additional instruction time so i set up um, an edmodo account for myself and the way it works is after you set it up you create groups and uh, the groups it generates a unique six digit code. And all I have to do is send out that code to my students and then they can create their own account and log into my group. So we have a, a summer reading program that the, the school has, has set up for the, the summer and there's required books they have to read. So all I did was I created a different group for each book in on the summer reading list. So now as the kids read, they can actually log into the group and they can do small group discussion about the book, or I can send out links to other kinds of interactive sites where they can be getting on and collaborating with each other or talking to me. So essentially, we now have digital online book clubs, all thanks to this Edmodo social networking site. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, I've been, uh, Edmodo has been on my radar for, uh, like you said, probably a couple of years now. And uh, hear it thrown around a lot. And uh, I, I also think of it in a situation where uh, maybe you, you're a teacher out there and you really are into social media and you really like, uh, would like to experiment with it in the classroom, but you're in a district, uh, where they're really on lockdown and there's no way that's going to happen. And, uh, so this gives you a place where you can do that and, you know, maybe you can sell it to your, your principal or your administrators or whatever, uh, on the fact that it, this is closed. You know, you can, you have so much more control over it and, uh, you can monitor it and, uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, the rest of the outside world getting into it and uh so it's a it's a great environment yeah and and it's safe the other part about it every time you generate a a group it actually generates kind of a a complementing parent group number so parents can actually log in and see they can't interact with the students but they can see what their kid is writing to and i really like that aspect of it because even just a few years ago i never would have felt comfortable using this but now social media is um, so prevalent and it's just always is there and everything. Um, I feel comfortable doing that now, but still, it's nice to have kind of that that backup because I knew that if I just started doing this and it, it did happen, uh, I within the first couple of days, I had a parent who called me and said, "Um, you know, why is my kid talking to you online? <laughs> they, they didn't really understand <laughs> yeah. what's going on. So it's kind of a nice little, you know, CYA part of it where um, the parents can see what's going on. So it's not kind of like this creepy online Facebook environment, it is very educationally sound and it is very um, educationally safe for both the teachers and the students to use. And that's really what um, has me excited about using it. All right. So, yeah, everybody out there, check it out if you haven't already seen it, edmodo.com. And uh, there's an iPad app for it. Not that you're an iPad fan at all, but <laughs> I, I check it on my iPad all the time. <laughs> I, well, I do have to tell you, my, my brother has an iPad, and I'm just like the rest of the world. When that thing's near me, I can't help but pick it up and play with it. Oh, it's <laughs> so, so cool. I know. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll bring this, this show to a close. So, we'll wind it down and uh, let you know how you can contact us and some of the stuff we're we're still working on, but uh, as we grow out the network. But uh, first off, you can uh, primarily uh, check us out through our website, and that's elementop.com. So uh, if you say it really fast, it kind of makes sense where we were going with that, elementop.com. But uh, uh, if not, uh, it's uh, like the element like the periodic table of elements and Opie is in Opie Taylor. So uh, check it out there. You can uh, not only get this show and you can listen to it right there on the website uh, or you could subscribe to the show. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and uh, let's see, what else am I missing? Well, of course, we have uh, forums there and we we encourage that you, you get in and participate in the forums. Uh, 
we have a forum uh, for our longest running show that uh, became quite active and it's kind of nice to to have that interaction and basically just uh, compare notes with like-minded people and uh, uh, kind of build that community so check it out there at elementop.com you can also find us uh, follow us on Twitter at Twitter slash elementop and if you go there uh, what you're going to find uh, the way we've set it up is we've made a list for each of our shows so if you would like to follow the tightwad teacher on uh, Twitter you just go Twitter dot com slash elementopi and look in our list there and you're going to find the list that's called the tightwad teacher and what you'll get by following that list is you're going to get me and john's uh, uh personal uh twitter feeds Right. So, uh, so you get to follow both, uh, both hosts of the show that way. And if you do listen to any of our other shows, you can uh, feel free to follow one of those lists as well. And you'll get, uh, all of the hosts for each of those shows. So, uh, check that out at Twitter and, uh, Facebook. We're still working on, um, as a matter of fact, uh, maybe by the time we have the next show out, hopefully we'll have that set up, uh, and, uh, we'll be begging for likes because, uh, uh, if you're not familiar with it, the way Facebook's set up, when you want to have your own like kind of fan page for uh, if you're running a business or or a show or something like that, uh, you have to get so many likes before you can get the vanity or all the Facebook.com slash uh, whatever it is. So uh, so we'll be working on that soon. And uh, you can also call us uh, at 530-FRUGAL2. That's F-R-U-G-A-L. Uh, and uh, so call us at 530-FRUGAL2. Uh, you can leave us a message and uh, just uh, let us know which show you're leaving the message for. So if you're leaving a message for the Tightwad teacher, if you have a comment or a question, uh, feel free to, to call that. Uh, you can also uh, do that through our website. So if you go to elementop.com, uh, there's a, uh, I believe it's a call us or call call me button or something like that. Uh, you'll, you'll know what it is when you see it. And uh, you can actually put your phone number in there and Google will call you and then you can just go ahead and leave your message. So uh, just beware, we may, well, we probably will uh, put it on the show. So. Uh, so that's it. So uh, second second show in the bag. Yeah, good show, Sean. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, anything? Uh, any parting messages for uh, for our droves of listeners out there? Oh man, I, I'm still working on my big catchphrase at the end of the show. So <laughs> I guess for now it's just going to be so long, and and we'll keep working on that part. <laughs> hey. You know what? Call that if you have an idea. Call that number and uh, leave me a, a good catchphrase for the end, and, and I'll use it next time. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah. Give us a call. And let us know exactly how John should sign off. So uh, for how, now, how's, how's that? How's that for begging for people to call it? Right, right. <laughs> well, uh, uh, so I guess that's it, and uh, I'll just uh, uh, wrap it up with saying, uh, for now, this is Sean signing off, and this is John signing off. Bye.